Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. With me, and my name is Philip from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. Hello, this is Eric. Eric, how are you? I'm well. Very good. And in the state of New York. This is Mike. Mike, how are you? How are you, Phil? Good. Uh, well, first off, this is our first episode on this new podcast. We do another podcast called Dark Discussions Podcast, and you will find this new podcast on that feed, the Dark Discussions Podcast feed, as well as this individual. And the link to this website for this podcast will be darkdiscussions.com. And let's introduce ourselves first. Uh, Eric, why don't you let folks know who you are and your interest in Game of Thrones and genre and so forth. Uh, well, my name is Eric Webster. I reside in Michigan, as Phil already said. Uh, I co-host a general interest podcast called the Askancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on iTunes.com. Uh, and I generally have an interest in all things genre. Uh, Game of Thrones particularly appeals to me because I played Dungeons and Dragons growing up as a young boy uh, and have read all sorts of fantasy books over the years from The Hobbit to uh, the Dragonlance books to some of the Forgotten Realms and all that stuff. Uh, so I've been a longtime uh, fan of this type of thing. Uh, and the Game of Thrones is probably one of the best visual representations of such a story. Very well said, Eric. Um, this is Phil, and I, Phil Perrin from the state of New Hampshire, as I said, I too am interested in many things, mostly uh, originally drama and dark fiction and things like that. And Game of Thrones is a example of that, even if it is in a fantasy uh, story and it's an interesting uh, as well this, we can discuss because the fantasy is fairly limited so it's not like the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings and like that or even Dungeons and Dragons where magic and all these things are in the forefront so uh, the show really interests me uh, specifically for the drama and the character development and so forth and as Eric uh, was mentioning he does a, a podcast called Escancity but he also does uh, Dark Discussions podcast as well and that's www.darkdiscussions.com. And Mike, what about you? No, 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 no. You, you left some stuff out. I know, Phil, you're not big on self-promotion, but you right. left off that you, you have uh, you have authored a few pieces. They're not really fantasy. They're more in the horror vein. But uh, you have uh, had some short fiction published in uh, Cairo Mad 2, uh, in uh, Canopic Jars, in Bugs. What was it? Were, that, were those the three that I'm thinking of? Or is there anything else? Yep, yep, that's it right now. Uh, that's true, yeah. So those three books are available on Amazon. Uh, Cairo Mad 2, uh, Bugs, Tales That Creep, Slither, and Crawl, as well as Canopic Jaws, Tales of Mummies and Mummification. And uh, I have uh, about three stories, one in each, about three to 5,000 words each. So folks can go and check those books out if they wanted to. But thanks for mentioning those, Mike. And he also happens to have a running catalog in his head of the nationality of every human being on the planet. <laughs> that is true. Possibly, yes. Possibly. So uh, it, it, it's his Rain Man trick. It's called onomastics, which is the study of of heritage and um, I guess the the origins of last names. Okay. So, little hobby. Little hobby. Now, Mike, uh, introduce yourself. Oh, sure. Hi, I'm Mike. Uh, I'm a 
High School Science Teacher in New York, and so I don't use my actual name, although Mike is my actual name. I go by Mike Darwin on the uh, Facebook page. If you go to the Facebook group uh, for Dark Discussions, you'll you'll see me there on occasion. Um, I have my own website, which is a genre-related blog, which is Unnatural Selections. Uh, I've been a lifelong nerd, and like Eric, I played Dungeons & Dragons quite a bit when I was uh, in my younger days. And I've always had an interest in things science fiction, horror, and fantasy. And certainly when HBO is putting out a uh, prestige series set in a fantasy setting, uh, that, that got my attention. I have never read the books. I don't know if I ever will read the books. I want to enjoy the series first. And then maybe after I retire and get a wish for 5,000 lifetimes, I'll have time to read the books. <laughs> By the end of those 5,000 lifetimes, perhaps George R. R. Martin will have finished the last book. <laughs> um, but it does sound like we actually might get the ending of the series on the TV show before we get it in, in written form. It's a possibility. So that'll be that. Now, one thing I think we should... We, uh, air out here very quickly uh, when it comes to the Game of Thrones who's rooting for what team and we all know that Oh, well we do have some on Dark Discussions we have done some episodes on past seasons so we did a season 4 wrap up that ended up being uh, two episodes long having to be split to two episodes we record that back in I think February and recently got released we did uh, coverage for season 3 a year before that and I think did we also do one just on season 1 and 2 yeah, that's right. Uh, we have episode 095, which is Game of Thrones Volume 1, which is basically season 1 and 2. And then we have Game of Thrones Season 3 Recap, which is episode 133. And then we have episode 177 and 178, which is a two-part Game of Thrones Season 4 Recap episode. So uh, folks who have not any knowledge of the series can go back and listen to those episodes on the Dark Discussions podcast feed. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, with Season 5, assuming folks who are listening to this podcast know everything about Game of Thrones, I think. Right, Mike? Right. I think if, if you're looking for a, a, a good, in-depth, highly organized, logical, coherent focus on Game of Thrones... You should go somewhere else. Exactly. <laughs> what you're likely to hear is a lot of uh, <clears throat> rambling and drifting and random thoughts. Um, and I'm sure that there's people out there, uh, and, and I can't be possibly more sure of this than I am of almost anything else in my life, that there are people out there who know far more about Game of Thrones than do the three gentlemen talking to you right now. Uh so we're not here for bits and trivia, but we're just for discussing it, what we thought, what we liked, what we didn't like, and where we think it's all going. Uh, if you enjoy it, terrific. Dark Discussions has been around. We're now in our fifth calendar year of recording. Holy so we're God. not going – yeah, we're not going anywhere. We started in 2011. Uh, so we're not going to be one of these podcasts. We're going to be here and then no more updates. You know, just no, – that's – we're, we're, we're going to go for a while because we haven't yet had our uh, Yoko Ono come in to split up the group. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> also, for folks who don't know uh, Dark Discussions Podcast, what that is, which is our sister podcast, that is uh, talk 
where uh, we get together and discuss usually a genre movie. Um, so, for example, some of the more recent episodes was the, the genre horror film It Follows. We discussed that film. Uh, we did an episode on um, Starry Eyes. We did an episode on uh, last year, for example, we did two episodes on Robin Williams' films because of his passing. We did a tribute to him, so we decided to do episodes on One Hour Photo and Christopher Nolan's Insomnia. We have a very round topics we do on that podcast. Uh, that Dark Discussions, we do genre, which is horror, science fiction, fantasy, thriller, techno-thriller, mystery, exploitation, grindhouse films, and we usually pick mostly newer films, but we throw in an occasional uh, olden gem as well, and we discuss the things about it, the background of the films, and, and uh, what the director and screenwriter were talking about when they did it, and things like that. So that's the sister podcast to uh, this podcast here. And uh, as Mike said, yes, we've been around for five years, so this podcast here, the Jon Snow You Know Nothing podcast, we are hoping to uh, have this out once a week for the season. So uh, just keep on coming back to the feed, and you'll see us both on the Dark Discussions podcast feed as well as the feed specifically for this podcast. And if you like this podcast, please let us know. Please feel free to contact us through email, through uh, leaving reviews. Or we're going to be up on iTunes, Phil, I assume? Yep, absolutely. So leave us some iTunes reviews. We're always uh, trying to solicit those for Dark Discussions. Uh, helps get us uh, our profile elevated. I'm sure there's lots and lots of Game of Thrones podcasts out there. Uh, and we want to make sure we are at least in the mix. So if you can leave us a review, that would be terrific. It would. Uh, and just while we're on the topic of other Game of Thrones podcasts, Mike was mentioning, uh, if you want a better organized podcast, you should go somewhere else. If that's what you're looking for, uh, I would personally recommend The Cast of Kings, uh, with David Chen and Joanna Robinson. I know Phil and I have both listened to it in the past and both recommended it on our previous Game of Thrones episodes. Yep, absolutely. They're, they're very good as well. I, uh, don't believe in that podcasts are competing. So what I, I believe is that we should promote and help other podcasts that we recommend. And their podcast, The Cast of King, is most certainly one of them. And it will be a podcast that I will be listening to weekly as well. So not only did we get a new season of Game of Thrones, which is a great thing in itself, we do get a bunch of good uh, genre podcasts that reappear with the new season. So uh, looking forward to the new feeds for those as well. Um, now, uh, where, where should we begin? Is there any further things we should, uh, let the listeners know? Because we're going to have new listeners here as well. Oh, but yeah, here, here's a few. Um, so if you want to check us out for this podcast, it's the same as our Dark Discussions podcast. So that would be www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, the Facebook group for this podcast will be the Dark Discussion Podcast Facebook group. And then our email will be darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And if you folks do email us in or uh, attach a audio clip of your email, if you prefer to uh, send us voice, uh, we will play it 
and read it on this podcast, specifically if it is about Game of Thrones and your opinions of various characters and trends. Um, I know, Eric, you've actually read most of the books or all the books? Uh, I've read everything that's been published, although I, I will admit it's been a couple years since I finished the last book and it's starting to fade. Um so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim to be 100% reliable as far as my knowledge on the books. Uh, however, uh, it certainly seems to be that as the series progresses, it veers more and more away from the books, uh, you know, verbatim. Uh, so that's interesting. And uh, just yeah, general spoiler warning: we're going to be talking about this show in detail. So uh, if you're sensitive to spoilers, uh, go watch episode one of season five before you listen to this. Right, but I think it's fair to say that we're going to be talking about spoilers up to what has aired. Absolutely. Anything going beyond that, let's say if we talk about perhaps the possibility that Tyrion might be killed in the show, would be complete and utter speculation. It is not informed spoilers. Right. Okay. Yep, absolutely. All right, so... Um, oh, and, and for me, I've only read one, the first book and half of the second book, and I have not read any further. So um, we're pretty much, all three of us, uh, based off of um, our knowledge of the books, uh, like Eric said, it's slowly fading, and me, I've only read a, a little bit, and Mike hasn't read any. We're really um, discussing what we see on the TV, so... Um, well, I guess we could start talking about the show. Uh, so it aired um, the 13th of April, 2015 on HBO. I watched it on HBO Go. And it is uh, season five. The first episode is called The Wars to Come. And some folks, after watching the episode, I went and read a bunch of reviews online, including... Um, Vanity Fair review by Joanna Robinson of the Cast of Kings to see their opinions. And, and a lot of folks are saying that they believe that it's, quote-unquote, like a new beginning in a sense because a lot of uh, changes have occurred. Um, so where should we begin? Who wants to begin? Who wants to start or bring something up? Well, let's start with the opening credits. There were two things, which, of course, if you're listening to this, and I'm assuming you've watched Game of Thrones, we all know how awesome the opening credit sequence is for the show. Indeed. And that they do alter it. Um, I did catch, which I think were two two things of note. One was that Charles Dance is still in the uh, listed in the opening credits. Now that may not be the case next week, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, or, or it may be because of something they did this week that I don't think they've ever done before. Um, yeah, that's true. Yes. And then the other thing is that it looks like they've put um, Winterfell back together again. Ah, okay. Right, for the last couple of seasons, hasn't Winterfell been a smoking ruin? Yes, yes. And now Winterfell is put back, but instead of having the uh, Stark banner, it has the um, the Flayed Man banner. Which is uh, the Boltons. The Boltons, right. Yep. Okay, that's an interesting touch I didn't notice about the, the Winterfell, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay, uh, so... So it yes. just because they do update it each week with if there's new locations and new places, but um, let's get to that thing that they did this episode that I don't think they've ever done before, which is they started with a flashback, right? Indeed, uh, the opening scene was a flashback of Cersei uh, as a little girl uh, going into the was it a woods or the swamp or both? Yeah, it was kind of both, I guess. Right? I mean, 
It looked like it combined the worst of both. <laughs> right? Uh, a creepy, a creepy, creepy place. Uh, so she, she and her friend are there and, uh, kind of, uh, egging each other on, daring each other to go into this hut where a witch is supposed to live. Uh, they don't say that out loud, but you, it's easy enough to figure out. Um, and they go in there and they meet this witch, uh, who's napping in her chair and wakes up and Cersei in her typical Cersei fashion, uh, apparently she was a demanding young woman way back then, uh, pretty much demands that this witch tell her future. Um, and so she does. Now, do you guys believe that it was true? In other words, it could have been, you know, she was just bullshitting Cersei's, but it also could be, you know, these were true things that she believes. Because, you know, just like... Well, we know some of it's come true already. Well, all of it practically has come true because it says, well, first of all, she gets three questions about her future, and Cersei... Cersei can be ruthless, but she can be pretty freaking stupid from time to time. Yeah. Um, and so she gets three three chances to find out about her future. Future, will you know? When will I marry the prince? You won't marry the prince. You'll marry the king. To which she follows up with, "So I'll be queen." <laughs> what a waste of a question! Yeah, you're marrying the king. Yes. Okay. Um, so those two we know both happened. That she doesn't marry the prince. She marries the king. That she does in fact become the queen because she married the king. Yeah. And uh, which says, "Well, will we have children?" And she says, "You will have. He'll have twenty children. You'll have three. And, you, and you'll have three. Uh, uh, with crown, uh, gold will be their crowns, and gold will be their their shrouds. Yeah. Uh, which her with her accent, it sounds more like a rhyme than in mine. <laughs> uh, so we know that at least one of her children has died. And this being a George R. R. Martin series, there's a good chance the other children will go too." Mm-hmm. Um, and she also mentions that there would be someone younger who would breed after her and, and hotter. <laughs> That's debatable, though, because... And, uh, yeah, well, you know, certainly at this point, you know, I think she's hotter. But no offense. I think that uh, Lena Headley is is quite milfy on her own. Indeed. Uh, but... And I mean that with all due respect. Please don't get my throat slit in the middle of the night. <laughs> she did, did. I thought they did a great job casting the girl. Yeah, she she did a good Cersei impression. Not only did she do a good Cersei impression, but man, when she said, you know, that this is my father's land, and then she realized, wait a minute, this is my land, <laughs> and you'll do what I say, or I'll have your eyes plucked out. I went, that's where Joffrey came from. <laughs> I could see her son in her right then and there. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, so she's got a little bit of a psycho in her too. I'm curious why they did this. Why did they do a flashback to tell us something that we kind of already knew? Because I thought maybe it would, there would be something said that would make her, uh, that might explain her hatred, further explain her hatred and resentment of Tyrion. Or, you know, her thing with Jamie and Lancel and God knows how many other men in her family. Uh, the only theory I have as far as the purpose of it is, uh, I, I was reading some stuff about how each season has kind of, uh, had a central character that a lot of the plot revolves around and, uh, they think this is Cersei's season. 
So she's going to die at the end, you're saying? No, that's that's actually not at all what I said. If you listen to the words coming out of my mouth. Um, if, if we look at it as just uh, – as not something to focus – you know, basically Eric, you made a good point there. But if we look at it and what did it mean and just look at it that way rather than how does it move the show forward, um, it's got two things. One, it could have been the big point in her life where – she begins to have paranoia and is insecurity uh, begins to envelope her maybe. And this was the point. So maybe that was one reason that it was decided to be shown. And another is by saying that there's going to be someone else that will take your place eventually, which to be honest is nothing original. I mean, in every frigging um, uh, fantasy thing where there's a queen, there's always going to be a princess who will eventually take over. But, in her warped mind, she takes it as in she's going to be usurped, I guess, rather than mm-hmm. uh, replaced. And so, for example, this could explain things like her anger and mistrust of Sansa when Sansa was going to be the bride of her son Joffrey. Meaning, uh-oh, this is the person that's going to be the quote-unquote new princess that's going to take over. And then, of course, she disposes of her. And then, boom, another one appears, which is now um, the the Martell – is it Martell girl? Um, what mm-hmm. was yeah. Yes. So, yeah, so that – I mean, that could be um, the reason they showed it, especially, like you said, it could be the focus for Cersei's, but it also could be the focus of the battle between Cersei's and Marjorie. It's the setup for that battle that's going to come. Right, I just think it's an odd choice for them to do it with the flashback because certainly it's already there set up somewhat in the uh, in, in what in what's already been established in the series. I don't know that they needed to go any further in establishing that. And you know, when you talk about things that have happened and influenced characters' behavior in the past, you can go to say uh, Tyrion's lover or wife that was that the father killed and had raped and all this that that seemed to be far more uh pressing or important to current events and yet they never bothered doing it as a flashback i'm, I'm just curious to see if they're going to be doing more if this is if they're going to do more flashbacks if this might be a way to keep charles dance around hmm, maybe uh, so, so that it's not simply that we got a shot of him dead is yeah. the reason why he's still in the you know in the opening credits uh, but it's just a thought. Well, and it also could just be a very brief, uh, hey, look, she had this prophecy told to her when she was a girl. Now it's all coming true, and so she's totally paranoid, and that's why. Right. Now, there is, and I don't know that we're going to go necessarily in the order of the episode, might, but it's um, it could be that they do have a, the conversation later between uh, – oh, what's his name? The Knight of Flowers – Loris, Loris and Marjorie and which he says, and you, you know, oh, and you're going to be stuck here with her as your mother-in-law. And I think she says, we'll see. No, so, she, says, she says perhaps or something. Oh, perhaps. Yeah, whatever it is. And I, I couldn't remember exactly what it is. All right. So she says perhaps. So, yeah, I think they are setting this up as a big conflict for later in the season. And certainly both of them are schemers. It'll be interesting to see. You know who ends up coming out on top and what their plans are for each other. 
Well, and as somebody who's read the books, the series is becoming even more interesting uh, the more they veer off book. Uh, because uh, up through most of last season, uh, everybody read the books, knew what was coming next. Uh, but starting at some point last season, they really started to go uh, in some different directions. Um, like in the in the books, there is no fight between Brienne and the Hound. Uh, but that was awesome. <laughs> uh, so they're starting to do some different stuff. So, uh, you could be right, Mike. Um, I, I just, you know, uh, my inclination is to not think that based on my knowledge of the books, but, uh, clearly that's not a determining factor anymore. Uh, and I think, and again, like all episodes of Game of Thrones, we get folks on a few, we don't see, actually, I was kind of surprised. We didn't see Arya. Which is a little surprising since she's the one they ended with last season. Right. Um, we get very little of, since you mentioned her, Brienne. Right. We get one, one quick shot of her and Podrick on the road bickering. Right. That's it. N- nothing, uh, about the Boltons except in, in, you know, passing and conversation. Right. There's a reference to the Boltons, but that's it. Yeah. Nothing about the Boltons. Nothing about the Greyjoys. Well, here's the thing, though, uh, is that the series suffers from the same problem that the books do, which is that the cast is so freaking huge. Uh, books four and five, uh, actually, they were two books telling the story over the same period of time for two different sets of characters because there was just too much to cover. He couldn't do it all in one book. Um, so I think that's part of the issue they're having here. You can't you can't get everybody into every episode because there's just more than an hour. Right, but they're also not going to sideline any of their major characters for an entire season. By major characters, unfortunately, I do not mean Hodor. <laughs> right. Who we have already been told will be sidelined for the entire season. <laughs> yeah, that whole storyline, uh, the Brand Stark storyline, is supposed to be sidelined for the entire season. I don't think that is a spoiler. I think that's pretty much well known through social media. Right, because he's going to be training with Yoda off on Dagobah. <laughs> or he's going to have to be recast because he'll look completely different because he'll be 20-something years old or something. Yeah, that'll right. be something else. The Brienne thing, I think, is really easy because she's barely in it. Um, so we kind of check her off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then there's some other characters like Jorah Mormon. He, he didn't appear at all in this episode. Right. I, and I do know he will appear because I saw in the season five trailer him in a, some battle scene. So that, well, yeah, he, uh, he, he kind of got sent away. So, uh, he's got to win his way back in, doesn't he? Right. Right. Exactly. So, right. But now let's remember what happened to her advisor. And again, I'm sorry for the names. Um, there are so many, so many of them. And, uh, the former head of the Knights, not the Knights watch of the Kingsguard. Oh, uh, got fired by Jeffrey and now is uh, by Joffrey. Oh. now. Yeah, I forgot his name too. We right, saw. so he he disappeared for like a season and a half before he reappeared. So it could be that that you know characters aren't going to be in the first several episodes and uh, may pop up closer to the end as they bump into somebody else or as they become more relevant. Well, and here's the other thing we have to keep in mind is that there are some characters that are at the end of their written story as to what has been published in the books already. Uh, so it could be that they're just going to try and concentrate on storylines that have been already published to try and keep uh, possible spoilers of future books to a minimum. 
Also, I, I did read, and again, I, I don't know if, if any of this is factual, um, but in my reviews uh, search last night and this morning of season five's episode one, uh, I did read a number of things about how the, the two founders of the show are in kind of wrestled away the property almost from George R. R. Martin and that eventually there could even be spinoffs and things like that. So even though George R. R. Martin is the creator and is writing the books and they're going to try to follow it where the end will should theory be the same. Um, they have now uh, taking these characters and, and created them as their own in a sense uh, as we go forward because as, as you said Eric they're going to be leaving behind uh, various things in the book and, and merging some major characters supposedly too with other characters and having two different storylines become one in the show because of how massive the cast could be if they didn't right uh, and so I'm just I'm just picturing Meister Picel international man of mystery. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, honestly, this, uh, my proposed theory makes sense, especially if they're basing this season around Cersei. Wow. I could use the latter S a few more times if I wanted to. Um, but there's plenty of Cersei's story to be told that's already been written in the book. So I think that might be part of the reason. And to be honest, with Charles Dance's character having passed on, you would think that suddenly Cersei's is now the carrier of the Lannister name. Basically, she's the most uh, outspoken, the most similar to her father in a sense, even though they banged heads continuously. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're going to use King's Landing as the hub of the series to use her character, the last remaining powerful Lannister. I mean, Jamie's there too, but, but I mean, she's the one that's still the puppet master. Right. But just, just remember what, remember when Tywin had a talk with her and told her why she's dangerous? Yes. Because she's not as smart as she thinks she is. Right. So keep that in mind. Yes. Yes. And you, you probably know some things from the books that uh, we haven't, but we'll, we'll perhaps, uh, perhaps. Excellent. Good job, Eric. Well, it all it all depends on, like you said, how much are they going to follow the books from this point on? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's and it's making watching the show a lot more interesting. I'll tell you that. Now, any further things in King's Landing that we want to mention? Obviously, there was a there's a scene where Jamie talks to Cersei and says that now that our father's passed, meaning you know he was the dictator, mm-hmm. in a sense, and then when he falls, suddenly the people that replaced them usually aren't as powerful as the big shot. So he's saying that. We have to worry. All these people that are here to pay respects to his passing are the people who are going to try to take over King's Landing and the throne and, and dispose of Tommen, the king, meaning basically the Lannisters themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be curious to see what the relationship is between Cersei and Jaime going forward, because we unfortunately already know too much about their relationship going backwards, uh, what, what it had been. But Jaime's changed quite a bit. And she's gotten probably more ruthless in in, in the uh, ensuing couple of years, I would think, or certainly seems to be. Mm-hmm. And now she's blaming him for her father's death, and there's a love-hate relationship between her and her father. He freed. Well, and to be fair, she's not entirely wrong either. And right, and she and she freed, and she certainly hates her brother Tyrion, and he freed Tyrion, or he knows she knows he freed Tyrion. Um, so, 
you know, who knows where that's going to end up going. I'll be curious to see how that plays out. And I know that everybody probably is going to be still doing the Jamie Brienne shipping. And so I'm sure people will be rooting for meaning that people will, will still be rooting for, for uh, Jamie to get together with Brienne at some point. Uh, well, it, mm, that it, would it, be weird. It would be weird, and it would also be weird because in the book they portray her as a very ugly person. Well, in, in the show, she's she's not ugly at all. So, again, though, they're changing from the book anyway. So who knows? And again, also, Jamie has changed as a person, as you said. After he was captured by Rob Stark and then had his hand chopped off by Locke, he had a monumental change in life because his perspective of everything changed because of those two horrendous incidences that happened in his life. It doesn't wash away his crimes from the past. He's still guilty for all those things. But going forward since that point and Brienne and him got together as a prisoner versus jailer, he has become, I guess, more of a good person in a sense, a person that, that sees the light. The only thing is, is he has that one weakness, which is he's still hot for his sister. <laughs> That's a fairly significant weakness. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking like, uh, you know, oh, he's susceptible to kryptonite here. You know, it's, uh, this is a biggie. <laughs> oh, so what else do you want to talk about? All right, why don't we move on to the other Lannister then? Well, yeah, yeah, that okay. was a quick one. So, because we didn't see too much of him, but it was one of the more important scenes of the episode, and that was uh, Tyrion uh, and Varys, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, and I, for one, have to say, uh, it's a small thing, but I do appreciate the fact that, that they dealt with uh, Tyrion's bodily functions in the crate, because that's as a, oh, right. as a as a biology guy, that's always the thing that I kind of wonder is like somebody's locked up for a long period of time, and they never mention who. That they had to poo at some point. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, poor Varys having to clean it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really got to be honest. I don't know who is his worst. Is you know having because look, admittedly having to shovel it and throw it overboard is not pleasant, but you can use a shovel, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and poor Tyrion's just got his little pudgy dwarf hands that he's got to pick it up and stuff it through the air hole. <laughs> uh, he's got no way, with, yeah. with no way with no way to clean his hands well yeah. obviously that that whole scene that part of the scene was was in theory just to get some levity and laughs for us the audience uh, but there was more important things besides the bodily functions mike that occurred oh, well, no, i'm just saying that i know, appreciated it let's just finish up the theme of bodily functions which is that one of my favorite moments of the whole episode is when Tyrion and Varys are having a conversation and Tyrion's just drinking wine as fast as he can the whole time. And at one point he says, the future is shit, just like the past. And then pukes on his feet. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, good lord. All right, all right, all right. So, so, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Eric. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, we have um, them in – what city are they in? Are they in uh, – uh, begins with a P, not Pycelle, that's the guy from... Indiana Jones. Uh, no, Pentos. Uh, yeah, Pentos. Pentos. Yeah, so this place is supposedly where they're going to be, they're safe from uh, any danger because Varys uh, is from that ta- city, I guess, or has friends from that city, and they're actually in uh, one of his friend's villas, 
And Isn't this the city they started the series off with, with Daenerys getting engaged? I think you're right. So that I, so when he says I have a friend, and he says that this is what started off this whole sorry mess, um, I'm guessing the friend is the guy who arranged the wedding to Khal Drogo in the first place? It, you know what? Uh, it doesn't specifically state that, but I would say that that is uh, a fantastic guess, Mike, because uh, Varys was buddies with that guy. He was the one that basically was helping the Targaryens, and then suddenly, boom, uh, when they flee uh, King's Landing, they're in a villa in that city, and why wouldn't it not be that guy? And that actor just happened to be on location doing another movie and couldn't make it for this episode. Right, and I want to point out, just in case you're wondering, I know I could go online and look this up, (laughs) but I've learned the hard way, Red Wedding, that if you go look up a random fact about Game of Thrones... You will find other random facts. Or a song of ice and fire. I know it's for those who are sticklers about what is what. Um, But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, that you 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 do run the risk of finding out things you didn't want to find out. I'll be more than happy to be clarified uh, on this by reading a, a review later, or you know, by having it revealed in the series proper. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm reluctant now to go chasing down any any particular rabbit holes for for more facts and information. <laughs> I will admit that uh although I don't have all the names, I did make a point of uh I wrote some notes while I was watching this and I did have to go back and look up two names in particular, Loris being one of them. Shame on you, Eric, for not knowing. Oh, whatever, Phil. Like your memory's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be honest, I didn't even remember Marjorie's name. I said the Marjorie girl. So, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Well, see, just, just so you're clear, I have all of my notes written down. And as always, I have the book closed next to me and I'm not even looking at it. So Good job. I have no excuse. I just, I just wasted ink and paper. That's all. <laughs> Way to be American. So there we go. Um, so, scene, yeah, let's, yeah, why don't we just wrap up the scene so we can get into the, the last, uh, few things um this scene is uh, basically Varys implies that uh there is hope we just have to find someone that is stronger than Tommen and more level-headed than stannis and i have that person and then we discover that he's referring to daenerys targaryen though i which, think which is I, interesting because this is this is item number one before. that's completely different than the book basically mike uh, when we were doing our other game of Thrones episodes and you said uh, in that prior episode saying, so who's going to be the winner at the end of the whole series? And I said, oh, there's a chance there may be another character. And you said, no, it has to be someone from season one. And if we read the books, there's some huge characters that it appears, Eric, you're saying that may have been combined with Daenerys Targaryen. There's, I, I can't even tell you what's what anymore. It's, it's all different. Uh, but in the books, he's not going to see Daenerys. Yeah, it's it's someone else probably as important as Daenerys and goes back to the the whole war that had Rob Baratheon and Stark and John Aaron's overthrow Targaryen in the first place. And, and it appears they're rewriting and taking possibly this character out completely, which is amazing, especially for those folks who have read the books, because that character is very prominent in, in how the story you would think would end. Well, and also, uh, in the books, Varys does not accompany Tyrion. He just packs him up and ships him off. Oh, that's interesting, too. 
See, so we're getting some really big changes right. now. Yeah. Right. Now, let's just say, for sake of argument, it could be that, let's say, there's, an, there's Bob Targaryen out there, <laughs> and Varys wants Bobby Targaryen. It could be in the books that they know that Bobby Targaryen is a red herring, and therefore they're not going to bother casting and wasting precious moments of film time chasing down the blind alley of Bobby Targaryen, only to watch him, you know, accidentally be sat on by the mountain or something you know it's um perhaps or 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 fed a poisonous wolf pie by by hot pie um no that's that's a fair point mike and it seems fairly reasonable if you ask me and yet if you read some of the bloggers and talk to people who've read the books some of them would say that these unidentified characters that aren't in the show at least not yet if they ever do appear Maybe or could be as important and not red herrings. So it is curious. They, they might be. It is curious. I, I, I am I am completely speculating out of my rectal opening. That's <laughs> so. Yeah. So this is a big change. But but the thing that's really interesting is 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 Varys basically says that I think you Tyrion are or one of the level headed folks in this world, you know, the Westeros and, and whatever world, and that even though uh, you have no chance ever to sit on the throne, I think you could be one of the, the important uh, people to help rule the throne with this quote-unquote figurehead or individual who has a name, who has presence, and therefore I want you to come with me to, I guess, Bravos or, or not Bravos, um, uh, Maris. Marine. Yeah. Marine, Marine, yes. To meet Daenerys. And he basically says, all right, in so many words. Yeah. As long as he can drink himself to death along the way. Well, what's interesting <laughs> about this is that Varys, you know, you have Varys and Littlefinger are the two people doing all the machinations behind the scenes. Right. And, but at the same time, they're, they're sort of the two sides of the same, of, of the coin is that, you know, one, of course, runs the brothel, the other is a eunuch. Um, so, and Littlefinger is completely out for himself, where Varys has stated kind of a few times that he's basically, he's a patriot, he wants what's best for the realm. And yet, well, I and, still think he's very biased, to be honest. I don't think he's necessarily doing it for the realm, but for something else, and I don't know what that is yet, but you were going to say something, Eric. Well, we uh, all have blind spots. <laughs> I was just going to say that uh, damn it, now I forgot what I was going to say what was I going to say? Varys oh, is I, a- I was, I was going to say that he's not wrong about Tyrion because Tyrion before did his best work when he was Hand of the King oh, well, certainly yeah, absolutely, I mean he, he basically was running that this, the kingdom because, because you know, uh, Joffrey couldn't do squat mm-hmm. and, and Cersei's as we've discussed is hot-headed, and in some ways uh, thinks she's smarter than she really is. And as the hand of the king, and Joffrey just going off doing his murdering ways, not caring, he actually was more powerful than Cersei's Tyrion was. And he was the and one he that did a helped. good job, too. He just got screwed because he's a dwarf. Well, and, yeah, and his father hated him, exactly. Yep. Well, his father hated him, and his father, you know, because of his history as a drunkard, uh, 
they probably had a hard time seeing that his son was able to do anything competent. Right. Well, that that's true too. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tyrion didn't. Even though he was unfortunately, um, I guess, I guess the, I don't want to say the term is handicapped, but I mean, he has, a, he lo- he's different. He didn't help himself because he basically was living a life of uh, the prodigal son anyway. So, you know, partying and boozing and whoring and all this other stuff. So even if his father could overlook the fact that uh, Tyrion was quote unquote different, Tyrion wasn't helping his own cause because he was making himself. Uh, a jester, in a sense, by just living the life of, uh, of uh, hedonism. Right. And so, so the father couldn't even take him seriously anyway. Right, but I'm just saying, I think this might be the first time that they've come outright. They've thrown plenty of hints, and if you have watched and rewatched the show, as I have, and binge-watched it, so you know, it makes it easier to connect the pieces. Maybe they, they don't seem like very subtle hints, but if you're a normal human being that doesn't obsess over these things. I could see how someone could have gotten to this point in the series and not realize that Varys was trying to work to bring the Targaryens back. So this seems to be the first time that they're really just outright putting Varys's agenda on the table for the audience. Right. And I'm, I'm still, again, even though he claims that he's doing it as a patriot and he thinks that these people are level-headed and whatever and I, I still don't know if he is uh, on the up and up because well, he, never, he doesn't even know the Targaryen girl, really, when you think about it. And <laughs> and why? What, what makes a Targaryen any better than any of these other families? You know, so I, I don't know. Well, here's the thing: is that he? I think he's on the up and up, but not because it's always been his plan, but because it's what his plan is now. Because he's got to roll with the punches. You know, if somebody dies. You know, somebody else gets killed. Uh, who's left? Okay, uh, what are my chess pieces? And that's what he's going with. Right, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's my bias or how I was reading it. I got the sense that it was, do you want to go check the Targaryen girl out and see if she is who Worthy. she sounds like she could be? Because what they would have heard at this point are reports about, here's this girl who has freed slaves and has an army to back her. And she sounds kind of good. Awesome. <laughs> but we are seeing behind the scenes that she's got her own blind spots, that she's got uh, her weaknesses. Now, her strengths are that she's got basically good instincts, but she needs advisors to help her avoid making novice mistakes. And certainly Varys and uh, Tyrion could go a long way towards being good advisors to a potentially great leader. But we still have to see where she's going to go. She has to get her dragons back. And, of course, that's getting back then to her story, right, is the whole a dragon, dragon queen without dragons is no queen. Right. So let's go with the Targaryen story to talk about that. Um, uh, because this story, finally, after four seasons of being this weird story that was off to the side that had nothing to do with the rest of the world, except that she was a presence that, and had one time had families that ruled the, that other world. Her story, besides the one or two times that Vera sent a letter over to that city, there was really, I mean, it's been completely 
closed story. And and now it appears that it's actually going to merge with new stories because we're going to have it now merge with Tyrion and Varys, who are part of, um, I guess, the, the Westeros story itself. Um, so that that is interesting. Um, now, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about her. Um, um, I've, I've never been a fan of this story, nor have I ever really been a fan of the character. Um, or Danny? Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not what? Not a fan. So, oh my uh, god. Why, yeah, why? Why would you be a fan of the hot naked blonde? Because he's a fan of Sansa and Stannis. <laughs> sure, sure. That, that's I, I would agree with that, Mike. Uh, but besides that, um, I don't know. It, it's doesn't doesn't uh, compel me as much as the other stories, I guess. Um, what? What? Uh, and Phil's Phil's not alone. There's a lot of people who, who like uh, you know don't like her storyline because it isn't directly connected to me. She's the, you know, you know, she's the asteroid looming over the dinosaur. She's that, you know, along with say what's going on in the North, Uh that those are the two things that have been completely disconnected from all the really fun, uh, Lannister games. Right. You know, and and, then the Prince Joffrey and the beheadings and the executions, you've had the, you know, nothing, Jon Snow up North above the wall. Yeah, and, and then you've had the mother of dragons uh, on the other end, and you know, and we're now getting to the point though where all the stuff—it's like when I played with Hot Wheels cars when I was a kid—and you, you basically the goal was to set up the biggest crash you possibly can, <laughs> you know. And so now the eighteen wheelers are starting to roll in to really mess things up, mess up the status quo. Well, and you know, it is called uh, the original books are called A Song of Ice and Fire, so who knows? Maybe the dragons meet the White Walkers at King's Landing. Uh, maybe, may, maybe. So which would be the ice? Which would be the fire? We have to wait and see. <laughs> or, or, or even if they don't have the White Walkers slash others um, as a main thing until who knows, maybe, maybe ever, or, or maybe as a just a red herring. Jon Snow would be the ice, and Daenerys Targaryen, or characters that have not been identified yet, assuming they ever will be, are, are the fire. And well, well, given that that they started the entire series off with introducing the White Walkers before anybody else, I, that would be a hell of a red herring. <laughs> well, when I say red herring, I mean it's going to be a battle, and they're going to fight them and whatnot. But they're not actually going to make it to the King's Landing or even probably uh, Winterfell. They're they're just going to be a major plot point. But then the story will revert back to the seven kings uh, fighting for who's going to get King's Landing again. I don't know. Um, but you may be right. You may be right. Maybe it, it, the White Walkers will actually march down and be a force and then suddenly quote-unquote the fire, which could be the dragons or, or something else, will have to Well, I think, I think my sense and I don't, is that it's you've got the dragons on one side and However, whatever problem the dragons may end up being, and whatever problems the Targaryens may end up being, the the whites and the creatures above the wall are the bigger issue, and they may so, have to drop the dragon fire a bomb on the Nazis and the there you and, go. And Imperial Japan. I'm just gonna say, I think Danny's gonna unite the Seven Kingdoms in the fight against the White Walkers and burn them all with their dragons. But she's uh, got to give, give a reason to, to go for that, and you've got a lot of issues with other because, characters. Because it's good. That's why. She's good. Uh, I don't know. I think she is just like the rest of them. They're all somewhat of a megalomaniac, but 
some are just better than others. Okay, well, that's fair enough. And, but, and, when he, and by the way, when he says some are better than others, by some he means Stannis Baratheon. Um, <laughs> we, we, I think, I think what's fair to say that no matter what political system anyone has ever attempted, uh, you can't put somebody in, in a, in a, on a throne and put a crown upon them and not have their ego be amped up to at least a nine or ten, if not all the way up to eleven. Well, and although I would like to point out, I would like to point out that Phil's whole thing is that Stannis is the rightful king, but Daenerys is of the bloodline of the king that was overthrown by the Baratheons. So she's actually got the pre-existing right. But they also got their ass kicked. That's right. That's sure. right. Hey, hey, and the, and the Normans took over England and a, a different family takes over. So, <laughs> you, you, and you don't have to revert back to the, the you know, the, the old people. Right. Danny, and, 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 Danny, and, Danny, Danny, and the whole thing only works if you believe that there really is some divine power that says we only believe that people from this family should be in charge of fucking up the lives of the people in the kingdom. Sorry, man, I got my money on the chick with the dragons. <laughs> like I agree, they should they should just toss all this nonsense out and have uh, uh, elections. Oh my god. <laughs> well, 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 I'm not, sure it's not about reality. All right, I am sure that is exactly what Mance Raider had in mind. However, he also wants to give cannibals the right to vote, so I don't know how much uh, I want to get into that. But I think what's uh, with the other thing with with Dan. First of all, I got to let me say this with the uh, not first of all because we're like on the ninth thing or whatever. I'm with Danny. I love the shot of the harpy being pulled down. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. That was an awesome shot. And again, for people who hate CGI, that is not something that could have been done 20 years ago. That's Certainly right. not on a TV budget. And, um, and the, the point of that happening, basically, because I was confused at first, because it's like, that's a great architect you want to keep it up there. But then when I compared it to a, a, a statue of Lenin or Stalin, I say, oh, yeah, you got to take it down. Take it down. So... It is the old, and you got to get rid of the old because the old represents evil, like the communists. So that's that's why it happened, I guess. I assume that's why they ripped it down. Right, and she's deliberately kind of sticking her finger in the eye of the, the slavers. You know, they make the request, bring back the games. We'll just let free people fight in them, so that uh, uh, takes away the uh, any moral reservation about making slaves fight to the death. You know, this is all on a volunteer basis, and she still goes, no. Until uh, her boyfriend because, talks her out of it. Yeah, well. Well, we, we don't know <laughs> Presumably. She's, she's agreed to it yet. But, but I mean, I, I see both sides. I mean, her point is, is, you could argue, if you allow it to happen again, quote-unquote, free people doing it, you know there's still going to be people being used. So you're going to have uh, abuse of the system, even well, though it's quote unquote free people, right? And she's not wrong, but at the same time, this is Danny's big weakness is that she wants to fix everything. And just like any politician, uh, you can't fix everything. You can't please all the people all the time. You got to choose your battles. And she sucks at doing that. And she's a teenage girl. And, too. and, and she said, well, there's what's right. And what's noble, and there's ideals and principle, but he's cute. <laughs> well, well I, I also, I want to state that that 
fixing things and doing them the correct way is a matter of perspective. And her perspective isn't necessarily the same as everybody else's because you can have the correct way without exploiting people done differently. That's why we have a Republican Party and a Democratic Party in this country, never mind. In other countries, they have their own political parties. And you could generally say most of them uh, have a correct way of doing things. And so for her to just say it's this way or and that's it, she's being a typical partisan when, in fact, her way may no, be no better than, say, other folks' way. So it's really just her perspective. And that's another problem because, like you said, Eric, she, she doesn't know how to play the game at all. She's she's basically Ned Stark. Yeah, yeah. And we saw what happened to him. Well, although, and that's the problem. Although, to be fair, he did not have pet dragons. True. Right. That's a good point. And see, this is the see this is this is the problem I see is that who are the the best at playing the game of Thrones, the the chess masters, are Varys, who nobody will follow, Tyrion, who nobody will follow, and Littlefinger, who God help us all if he were to win. <laughs> right. The people who would be best being rulers would be guys like uh, Sam. Well, Sam, who Sam, who nobody would follow, but would would have been a Ned Stark or a yeah. Stannis Baratheon or 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 even if you want to throw Danny in there or Jon Snow because they've got the kindness and compassion and and they they believe in fairness, but all of them lack that guile that you would need to to navigate King's Landing, and they would just be Robert Baratheon all over again. Just maybe well, a more sober version, and that's why I think the uh, the joining forces of Varys, Tyrion, and Daenerys is so intriguing, uh, is because with her and let's let's face it, although you may have an issue with some of her uh, her actions and ideals, uh, Danny does seem to have natural leadership abilities uh, with her with her natural leadership and uh, Tyrion and Varys advising her and her pet dragons. That would be one formidable force. But again, it would be a force due to fear, not a force due to people loving her. Uh, well, there seem to be a lot of people who love her. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people do seem to love her. Well, I'm I'm going I'm going with the the sons of the harpy. I'm going to fight with the resistance. Okay. Damn right. So Phil is with Stannis, Sansa, and, and the Bring Back Slavery movement. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> The sons of the harpy aren't, aren't part of the slavery. That's not true. That's, you're putting words in my mouth. Phil wants to follow the witch. All right, all right, all right. All right that, that's true. All right, so that gets us to uh, is is that everything except for now? What's north of the wall? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, we could we could talk about the Baelish. Uh, and Sansa thing. There's a very short scene, uh, and probably the, the most mus- uh, the most entertaining part of the scene is uh, Robin uh, attempting to be trained in the background while Peter and Sansa have a chat because uh, he really sucks at sword fighting, and it's funny. Right, and we don't get to have uh, Joffrey get slapped by Tyrion anymore, so this is going to have to do. Right. Right. Um, and uh and Phil, I know you're a big Sansa fan. Uh and apparently okay. Apparently everybody was on my side before thinking she was a vapid twat. But 
apparently in the off season before season five, a bunch of people switched teams and apparently the die job got everybody on her side. So everybody's a fan of dark Sansa. And I've read several articles talking about this. And one of them, I don't even know if this is a typo, if it was done intentionally, but it made me laugh my ass off for her referred to her as Darth Sansa. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And yet though, to be honest, she, hasn't done anything that would make her quote unquote the dark Sansa yet. I mean, right. Well, right. well she died, she dyed her hair. Right. Right. Which some of us have stated that the reason she dyed her hair was to make herself look more like her mother because we know Baelish was infatuated with her mother. Uh-huh. So, but again, though, it could be a double symbolism, right? It could be her trying to use her sexuality to control Baelish, but also a symbol of her, Going to the dark side of sense. Indeed. Well, well, like Danny, she has to learn. Both of them started out as very naive, easily manipulated teenage girls. And I think Eric is absolutely correct that Sansa season one was, was Sansa 1.0 was, had vapid twat installed. No question. (laughs) Right. Um, and sometimes selfish twit too, you know. Uh-huh. But she certainly has had her programming updated over the seasons, and she's become a bit more worldly. Maybe a little slower on the uptake than she's getting than everybody there, else. Uh, but you'll she's notice, getting there. You'll notice that at a purple wedding, when somebody shows showed up and said, "Come with me," she didn't ask why. She just went. <laughs> <laughs> that that is uh, for her. That's growth. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of Santa, so I have only positive things to say. But let's talk about Baelish because what a he, scumbag! He was, he was very vague. What he, what, where he was, what they're going to do. And I, I don't trust a damn word that comes out of that man's mouth. Screw him. But he's he's got to. He can't just be this insignificant character. He's got to be as big as very. Oh, he's he's huge. He's very significant, but he's a scumbag asshole. But what's he going to do? What what? Something bad. See, trust is an odd concept, and I I trust Lord Baelish in this regard. I trust him to do whatever is good for Lord Baelish. (laughs) Right. And you could always trust him to do that, and he is not content with having the Vale and Harrenhal and Sansa Stark he won't be content until it is his skinny ass getting poked in the butt by the swords of the Iron Throne. Right. Right. All that's right. that. That's his look. Now, what is his current scheme? Look, he's smart. So you didn't you tell Lord so and so we're going this place and we're really going there? He's like, yep, I don't trust them. And I said, but or, and said I don't trust him. Or if I even if I trusted him, I couldn't trust every cook and gardener and everybody else in that castle. Right. And, and Sansa, you know, showing that she picks up, or she, that she is learning. So you're going to tell me you trust our carriage driver and our escorts and all this? He says, no, <laughs> but I pay them well. And they know what happens if they fuck me over. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, a different kind of trust. So that tells you he's paranoid. He doesn't trust anybody. I'll be curious if he's then smart enough to not trust Sansa. 
Oh, I don't know. He might have a weak spot there. Right. Well, that's why I said I'm curious because if someone's going to take him down for poetic justice, you know, uh, Sansa doing it, the daughter of the woman he inadvertently got killed that he loved. Right. You know, she, you know, there, there's a certain, certain poetic justice if, uh, she's the one that does it. Well, and, she, and, and, and Baelish was the one that basically fucked over Ned Stark, too. Right. Because he And now the, the other that, thing we... Go oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you saying? No, I was just saying he was the one that um, basically uh, set up Ned Stark. Because he was the one that was bringing him to, you know, right here. Yep. Go, and then, boom, he gets arrested. He goes, sorry, I have to do what I have to do. Right. So. And then you have to consider, though, we... If we're putting somebody on the throne... Whether they they be a queen or a king, both the tenets of uh, traditional storytelling and traditional royal politics states that the queen must have a king and the king must have a queen. And if it's Danny, and I agree with with Eric that that looks like what they're trying to do. If Danny ends up on the throne, Sansa is not going to be her queen. I don't care what modern politics says. Oh god, that would be awesome! <laughs> it would be funny. Queen Sansa, Queen, but uh, and Queen Danny. But you know, that's why I'm, I'm thinking right now, Jon Snow, who you know is the bastard, seems like he might be getting set up to be uh, Mister Danny. Ugh, don't say it. <laughs> For a number of reasons. One, because I just can't see it. And except for an arranged marriage and, and the oh, I am not saying it would be anything but, other than an arranged marriage. But but and I can't see Jon Snow being that type of power. I mean, oh, maybe he would. He would do it. He would take it. Take it for the team if he had to. But the other reason I I can't see it is because then the whole friggin' Game of Thrones, no matter how interesting, intriguing it was in the middle, the beginning and the end, is the typical story that we see A to Z every all the time, which is it's these certain characters you know are going to make it to the end and boom, they're the ones that, you know, and it's, I don't want to see that. I want to see something completely different that comes out of nowhere that I was like, holy smokes, I never saw that happen. Well, you've already seen a whole bunch of major characters die that you usually wouldn't, so that's a good sign. Yeah, I think at some point, the, when characters stop dying off, <laughs> at some point, you know, it's it, it, it does, does just sort of become well, you know, by default, they've got to be the ones, right? It's, um, I, like I said, I, I don't think like a murder mystery, you don't introduce somebody in the fourth act and have them be, you know, turn out to be the killer. It's right. got to be somebody you've had, uh, no, certainly no later than act two, somebody who's been at least present or at least talked about since the beginning. And so that sort of leaves a door open for Stannis because they talked to him about him in season one. You know, but... You know, I don't want them doing something just to not be conventional. And I think if you went back to the very beginning of episode one, I don't think anybody necessarily would have said that it will be Danny or Jon Snow that ends up on the throne. Because at that point, it looked like Ned Stark was the hero of the story. Well, and I'm also suspicious about the whole brand storyline. Because, uh, I Does mean... your body good. Where the hell is that going? It could, it could be, it might be him. Who knows? 
Yeah, no, that's true. And, and to be honest, Mike, I would agree with the Jon Snow thing from season one, but I could possibly see Daenerys in season one because that storyline was, was just this weird storyline, again, that had nothing to do with, well, well, self-contained, I should say. And even though she was, quote-unquote, a weaker character, by the time her brother dies and then she takes over and shows that she can be the, the boss in sex and all these other things, her character suddenly just becomes more important. And so I could see, okay, they could be setting up this whole show to say that that character is going to be, you know, the end game character. Uh, well, that's, that seems more obvious at the end of season one. Right. Although I also say my sense of in season one, everything was driven by Cal Drogo, who's your Conan the Barbarian yep. type. He's your Genghis Khan. And, 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 uh, uh, what was the character's name? Uh, her brother? More specific. Her brother. Oh, it was uh, Viserys. Yeah, Viserys. Viserys? Yeah, Viserys, that's it. Viserys, who at that point was the biggest douchebag on the show. Yeah. Long before, he, he held long before the crown Jeffrey was. He held the crown before Jeffrey. So you have this barbarian conqueror and this giant douchebag and then douchebag's sister and barbarian's wife. So the idea that she would end up being possibly the hero of the story as opposed to one of the villains of the story, she could still end up being one of the villains of the story. Because quite frankly, the temptation to control and micromanage everything could push her completely over the edge. Right. Right, she could she could end up just using her dragons to crack down on every little, you know, thing where you were shoplifting. Death by dragon breath. (laughs) Right, you know, it's I don't like those flowers in your window. Get rid of them. You know, you you could you could go the other way. She could she could end up being still a surprise villain in the piece. So I'm still leaving windows open for lots of possibilities, but I'm just saying, looking at where the trajectory is kind of going. But, uh, again, if they were talking about how things would be predictable a year ago, it would have been that somehow, in some way, in this crazy mixed-up world of ours, Jon Snow and and his little red-headed uh, northern girl would have – or no, wildling girl would have – You're not sure. Would have, would have ended up together. Right. But that's not going to happen. Nope. Well, let's let's get into that last part of uh, the episode that we want to discuss, the wall and that storyline. Because there's some interesting and intriguing things that are going on there uh, with Melisandre, with Jon Snow, with the Night's Watch and, and who become is going to become leader or is the new leader of the Night's Watch, as well as King Stannis and the King Beyond the Wall. We do see a little bit of the Night's Watch, but not really all that much about the politics yet. Obviously, that's going to be a big thing coming up, I think. But it was more really a chess piece between the, the three, Jon Snow, Stannis, and the King Beyond the Wall, with an interesting little scene of Melisandre talking to Jon Snow as he goes to speak with Stannis. <laughs> and did you notice how she announced him as the bastard of Winterfell? That's not very nice. I, I, I kind of thought it was – first of all, something really weird seeing Melisandre at the wall. Right. Right. Just even seeing her in the same frame as Jon Snow was sort of like – Huh? You know, yeah, it's 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 sort of like having a crossover between two completely different TV shows because their plot lines have been so far apart up until 
now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Jon Snow made a mistake. I think you talked to the wrong person. What do you mean? Um, you know, if you're going to, you, you have two issues that we all want and can't have in leaders, which is practicality and idealism and principle. Yep. And the two can't stand together. Either principle has to yield or principle outweighs practicality. And you have both in John Snow, not John Snow, in uh, Sans Baratheon and Mance Raider, you have two very proud, very principled people. Yep. And it was clear Mance was never going to bend his knee. Well, and he already told him as much. And yeah, he said it as much. He, you know, he had that, that, now maybe this being Game of Thrones, people actually saying what they actually are going to not do and being truthful about their motivations is something that Jon Snow isn't used to. Well, you know what, I, you know what, then I'm, I'm with Jon Snow and I would have screwed up too because I could see based off of the argument, which is you, you can, all your people are going to be pardoned. You're going to be, able to come to the side of the wall, which is what you wanted in the first place, and the only reason you were doing battle with us in the first place. And all I'm asking for is uh, being a normal citizen like anybody else on this side, the southern side of the wall, which is, you know, inscript in the army when needed, uh, pay your taxes when you need it, and on and on and on. So I have to say that if you use that logic, being Jon Snow who lived in that type of world all his life, he could say, you know what? I, I'm, I bet you I could convince this this boob. I mean, <laughs> you know, because because you got you know, I mean, you see Obama, you know, in Castro, uh, Raul Castro now, and, and Obama with the Iranians. I mean, who would have thought of this six years ago? Never mind two months ago. And common sense sometimes is correct, especially when that common sense is ninety nine percent of exactly what you're you wanted in the first place. All you, all, you, all you have to do is a ceremonial kneel, and he just won't do it. And he says it can, it can be an insincere kneel, right? You know, it's just. But here's the thing: is that he is a stubborn son of a bitch. He has nothing to lose. He was fully fully prepared to die. His people were fully prepared to die going up and over the wall. And they're probably the happiest pig in shit they've gotten as far as they have. I think that if you look at Stannis, he's the one who's willing to compromise. He's the guy who is proud and he does have his rules and he is hidebound by his rules. But his first and foremost rule is protect the realm. Right. His, when, you know, he's in the middle of the battle for the throne. The throne is his by right. He fully believes it's his by right. And you can make an argument if this was in a court of law, the throne, the, 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 the crown would go be going to him as opposed to being on a battlefield. But the moment he realizes the walkers are coming, he throws that all away to bring his new found army north to help save the realm and protect the realm from the white walkers. And really, that's the first thing he ever did get me on his side. Um, he's well, but in even something like aligning himself with Melisandre, I get the sense that he's, you know, the cafeteria Catholic, right? That he doesn't necessarily believe in the Lord of Light, right? He's, but you know he'll go he'll go on Sundays he'll go on you know whatever Easter Sunday is for them and 
He'll do what he Plus, has to do in order to retain the powers of the witch. Right. He'll he will make a pact with dark forces, which, by the way, is maybe why he's not a great idea to put on the throne. But um, that's that's an opinion. We don't. Yeah. Know, okay. she's a witch. Which doesn't mean evil. <laughs> so continue, Mike. I'm sorry. So I think he would have made more progress if he had talked to Stannis and said, "Look, the you guy's mean, a shithead." You talked to who? If you talked to Stannis and said, look, Mance is a shithead. He's never going to bow to you. He did tell him that. But he said, but he, he should have talked to him with the same logic. Look, the, you're not going to get the wildlings on your side if you don't have him. Mm. Okay. If you don't have, if you want them on your side, you need him on your side. And he is, he, make him an ally. He will, you know, make him, you know, but you don't have to call him king. But you're not going to get him to kneel. Don't worry about it. That's not as important in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things. Worry about that later. If you need to execute him after the White Walkers are done, fine. But maybe the White Walkers kill him off long beforehand anyway. No, I, I still, it still might not have worked. It still might not have convinced well, we're, we're, Stannis. We're still not. You're, you're assuming that the, he, he's already lost the the wildlings. All in all, I, I'm still not convinced. I'm still thinking that the Wildlings going to say, "Oh, I don't think setting Mance Raider on fire helped this case at all." Well, let me let me explain. It's similar to uh, when the Greyjoys were were surrounded by the Boltons, and the guy refused to capitulate. And so the second in command shoots him in the head and says, "Okay, we're willing to capitulate." In other words, Rance Maida is dead, but you know what? We'll still take that deal, which is getting on the other side of the wall and having land and becoming normal citizens down there. So I don't, yeah, I, the, the the problem is that historically, like the the the, the not the Greyjoys, but the the uh, the folks from the Iron Islands, which are serving under the Greyjoys, Theon is an idiot and has proved himself an idiot, <laughs> and so that makes sense why they wouldn't follow him. No, I'm not but talking they, about that. I'm talking about the when the Boltons surround it. Theon goes in as a slave of Boltons to say to the guy, you know, just surrender, like I. Oh. And the guy says, I'm not surrendering. That's absolutely not. And then his number two in command shoots him in the head with an axe or something. And says, okay, we'll take that deal. And the difference is Stannis is honorable, unlike Bolton. And Stannis would, would then say, okay, you, you, you know, you'll take that deal and you're, you're free to go. But the, but the main thing, they've said it repeatedly throughout the series, is that Mance Raider is the one man who has ever united the tribes. Mm-hmm. But you know, But you know what? I bet you the same people, the wildlings, would look at Stannis and say, "This guy's a powerhouse. I'm going to follow this guy." Oh my God! What is no, your no, situation no, with no, Stannis? No, you've got to put your Stannis Viagra away. <laughs> this is—he's—they—they they do not. He's from below the wall. They don't—they don't, don't the like deal. the people. He's going to give him the deal. I, my uh, sense is I don't that think you, have, you, you have cannibals in there. Right? I mean, there might be some of them, like the guy with the big bushy beard. Okay, maybe he's somebody you can get on your side. There may be individuals you get on your side. But there are wildlings with the emphasis on the wild, you know, with sharp pointy teeth and children's bones stuck in their teeth, who are also among this group that you're trying to get on your side. And I don't know that you're going to get them with it. I think think at this point, I think at this point they would be more likely to follow Jon Snow who showed mercy by pulling an arrow in Mance Raider's heart before he could burn to death than they are to follow Stannis. 
Right, and if they had, even if they had done, if they had, you know, burning Mance alive was also not a good way to do it. You know, a beheading, you know, at that time we don't have lethal injection or electric chairs, so that might have been the best way to go. But burning him alive, and you saw the look on his face when he found out he was going to be burned alive. That that's I, that's I, not I disagreeing completely, dude. I'm thinking they're going to say, you know what, fuck Mancellator, I'm taking that deal. You're thinking far too practically. <laughs> you are talking. You are talking about about people who are again have historically not gotten along with each other, and as much as they have not gotten along with each other, they hate the people down south even more. And here's a guy who's saying, I'm the king of the south. I'm the king below the wall. You're all going to bow to me. And these are people who will not bow. I'm, I'm disagreeing. I'm thinking they're going to say, you know what? Well, and it's okay to be I'm, wrong, Phil. I'm, I'm taking that deal. <laughs> all right. Now, here's my question. Will, what's the ramification to Jon Snow for sticking his dick in Stannis' eye? You know what? I think the people on the blogs... I'm reading way too much into it. I think he's not going to be pissed at all. Hmm. Well, then I why did he burn him alive in the first place? I think he's practical. He'll he'll say it. You know what? I understand what he did. Yeah, all right, that's fine. I think he'll understand why he did what he did. I think he'll be pissed that he did it. Maybe at first. But I, I think I think for narrative purposes, I can see why they will avoid having any obvious punishment to him. You know that he'll say that he'll that you can make an argument that unless they go way off, like and just throw high. him over the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't see him executing Jon Snow, but you know the, the degree to which it might sour that relationship. I'll be curious. I don't know. So that, that, that kind of finishes up. Any predictions for next week? One last thing about that. Um, to be honest, I don't think Stephen really gives a rat's ass about any of the, the Blackwatch people because they we're only talking 300 people. So it's like, who cares? Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll back you up on that, Phil, because there was a there was a point where Jon Snow was saying, uh, we don't follow anybody. We're the Night's Watch. We're sworn to, to allegiance to no king. And he's like, I don't want you. I want the wildings. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're talking about 300 criminals versus – Two million criminals. <laughs> I want the two million. Right. So he wants the two million criminals, and so, but is he going to then let the guy, but the two million criminals who have watched Jon Snow defy his authority, just let him get away with that? You know what? They're not going to care because I'm going to take that deal. A chicken in every pot. Vote for Santa's. Exactly. Everybody, every one of those wildlings just wants to get the hell off the other side. Phil of the just wall. thinks that if, if they votes for Stannis, he, that every household will get their own naked, hot, redheaded woman. <laughs> well, you know what? That would be a hell of a campaign. And we get my vote, but, but yeah. But, but I, if I was a wildling, I wouldn't give a rat's ass. I'm taking that deal. I'm going on the other side of the wall. And you got my, my vote, Stannis. Hell yeah. But that's <laughs> we'll, we'll find out, which is what you were about to say, Mike, so we should wrap it up now. Um, what, yeah, so what uh, is going to happen next week? Obviously, we're going to probably get more now on Arius. Uh, no, uh, um, we're going to get to Arya next Arya, week. That's, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. And, and we're going to get to um, Martell's and the Sand People. The guy to get his head squashed by the mountain. Those yeah, yeah. Oh, oh but the Martells. Yeah, the Martells. Because I saw that in the tra- trailer after the show. They showed 
Mm -hmm. The snake, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. So you be- raped her. <laughs> you killed her. Oh God, that's not. You but, killed but, her children. But I'm 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 going to be disappointed. I think with next week's episode because it's going to start focusing on other storylines, and I'm already into these storylines, including Daenerys's. And well, yeah, and go. it's going to be. You're right. It's going to be weird because uh, the Arya storyline, honestly, for a while, it's like a half a book of pretty much nothing. It was really kind of a chore to get through as far as reading it went. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with it in the TV series to make it, uh, well, more interesting. Well, that's the nice thing about the TV series, juggling the multiple storylines and having a, you know, an hour to, a week to play with is that they can take these several hundred pages of this is all boring shit, throw it away and just not have Arya show up for a few weeks. <laughs> right. I haven't read the book, so I don't know if your characterization of the the storyline fits my characterization of the storyline. But um, well, if they do it right, it could be interesting. It, it, I didn't find it interesting the way it was written. They could do it right on TV, so we'll see. Yeah, and to be honest, they, they're writing out brand for a whole series season, so you know why not write out another character for three? episode well because brand isn't exactly the most popular character on the show <laughs> that's an understatement uh, on the other hand hodor is probably in the top five yeah true so so all right so, yeah. now here's the main thing we've all voiced our theories as to where this is going yes. if anybody is actually listening to this and you have your ideas where you think it's going, either write us or leave a voicemail message or, uh, or, or something. Tell us where you think it's going. But if you've read the books, that's cheating. Sure. Don't just tell us what happens in the books. That's not cheating. That's reading. You should try it sometime. <laughs> I, I've done it from time to time. <laughs> uh, but I say, so don't just say, well, this is what happens in the books. First of all, as Eric said, they're, they're, they're veering off. But, but push further. Where do you think they might be going, maybe going beyond the books? You know, or if you haven't read the books, certainly then all's fair. But again, don't worry about, don't look at the spoilers. Try to resist looking at the episodes that have been leaked online. You know, where are we going to go? What's, what, who's going to come out on top? Who will win the Game of Thrones and why? Sure. And uh, a couple of ways to get that to us is to give us an audio recording and attach it to an email or just write an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com. And, of course, you can go to Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group and discuss there, which is uh, ongoing discussions. So besides the other characters being brought up next week, another one that will probably be brought up next week is the Boltons. I'm sure that we're going to get a little of that. Oh, yeah. I don't like them. I do because it's, even though they're evils, they're interesting to watch on on screen. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, all right. So uh, next episode um, is going to be called. Let's see, and who? It's by the same director because they're doing it differently this year. They're doing a back to back episodes by the same director, and it's going to be called The House of Black and White. That's where Arya is headed. Ah, very good. So, uh, Michael Slavis, uh, of Breaking Bad fame is directing it. And, um, it appears that since it's entitled The House of Black and White, and you said that's where she's heading, it appears it's going to be, 
big part of the story will be about her. And I think so, because they show a door in the previews that is half black and half white that she's knocking on. That might be the place. I think so. Perhaps. Educated guess, perhaps. That's right. And I'm going to take that deal. <laughs> well, you're looking at it logically. I don't think the wild things are logical. <laughs> all right. That's, uh, that's, that's a blatant statement of all stereotypes of the entire group of wildlings, Mike. There could be a few that would be... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. No, we wouldn't want to insult any northern Westrosians. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Imaginary, <laughs> imaginary northern Westrosians. <laughs> or, or, or witches, which are all evil. Phil's political correctness extends even to fictional lands. <laughs> <laughs> Stannis. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, this, once again, this is um, John. Uh, what the hell is this podcast? <laughs> uh, it's called um, You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. We can be found at www.darkdiscussions.com. And at the bottom of every page on that website are links to the Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast, which will uh, have. Uh, threads for this as well as our email dark discussions at aol.com and we will be back next week to review the house of black and white so eric why don't you leave us out all right thanks for tuning in for the first episode of our uh, episodic coverage of season five of game of thrones come back next week we'll talk about episode two where stannis gets beheaded and daenerys rules the world (laughs) 